Hi everyone, I'm Sanhara and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women who are dealing with infertility, but is specifically dedicated to black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men. You guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Kim Gowdy, who conceived in her late 40s in a way that she did not expect, and she is now the author of the book called Colorless Womb. Broken and Barren. So I'm here with Kim, and with your story, it's so interesting because in your first marriage, that didn't work out, but you were dealing with some pain and some brokenness from being in that relationship. I believe your then husband had a substance abuse issue. Um, But throughout that marriage, you were able to conceive, but you were not able to carry to full term. So can you talk about that a little bit, dealing with that brokenness and exiting, you know, that marriage that wasn't, you know, I guess, purpose for you because you met an amazing man that we're going to get to in the next segment. But then going through that process and also dealing with the fact that you're getting pregnant, but you're not carrying the full term. Yes. that um, like As you said, I was able to get pregnant. And so that part was the easy part. So there would be times, you know, like I'd be so excited, like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you know, you look at that, that EPT or whatever, you know, the pregnancy test and you're like, oh, I'm so excited, you know, you know, two lines or, you know, it's a plus sign and you're so excited about that. And, you know, you go to the doctor. And so I was getting things like, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited. They would look at, they would do the ultrasound or, you know, looking at the monitor and, oh, so when did you, when was the pregnancy test? When was it positive? Because nothing would be on the screen or I would, they, they'd see it. It's positive. Everything looks good. I'd go back for that second, that, for that follow-up and they would say, oh, you know, there was a heartbeat now, you know, there's nothing. And then the last two pregnancies, I was at six months on a pregnancy. I'm so excited. Like six months, you are, I'm cruising. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm showing, I'm, I'm, everyone knows it's, it's a big deal and I'm so excited and it didn't work out. And that was just devastating. And then the, a year later I went to five months and it, didn't work out. And at that point I was completely done. A devastation to say the least going through that. I can't even believe like now I'm talking to you and I'm not in just full tears, Mm -hmm. but I, I've gone through that. It was, it was, man, it's really hard, but yeah. So that, that was, that was my journey up to, you know, before I became a mom. That, that was the journey that that's what I came, came from. And some people said it was like, you know, stress. It was, you know, I, I would just, you know, I, I, I don't know what it, what it happened or what it was, but I do know that it was my journey and I've become a lot stronger because of it. Love on top. So you're in a new city, new love, new desires. Can you talk about the 
I guess, vulnerability of falling in love again and still desiring to parent and still wanting to be a mom? Yeah. I mean, after having, you know, like so much loss and so much pain in my previous marriage, you know, it was, it was, you know, very challenging, very difficult, very painful. Moving to Atlanta, fresh start. I honestly came to Atlanta with the thought that, you know, I was pretty much past that time in my life where I would become a mom. I had pretty much come to the conclusion that, you know, those days for me were long, you know, were long over. And, um, you know, I would just kind of live my life at this point, you know, Atlanta's a great city. And that was pretty much what I was going to do at that time. And so meeting my now husband, who, although he did have children, you know, still was open to the possibility and actually really wanted another child. That was, you know, the thing that got us to the place where we are now, like his desire. You know, I, of course, I wanted to become a mom, but because I had had so much loss previously, you get to the point where you say, okay, maybe this is just not what the plan is for my life. Yeah, for your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my my now husband, David, he wanted what he, you know, he had two daughters and he'd always wanted a son. And so it was honestly his idea. You know, desire. <laughs> really want to be like, oh, I want a son. And so that's what got us to this place to that, which, which I thank God every day that, you know, he was the person that I met and he had, you know. So when you met him, had you already gone through the process, like freezing your eggs, stuff like that? Or you met him, he had this desire to parent as well. You know, you were still, you know, wanting to parent. And then you went to see a fertility doctor. How did that process work? That process worked like, you know, we, I I hadn't gone through egg freezing. I hadn't done any of that. But what, you know, so what we ended up doing was, you know, I said, hey, you know what, you know, those days are long over for me. And because we had had like a whirlwind relationship, like we went from, hey, hi, I'm Kimberly to now we're engaged and we're married. We never really had a chance to have those more in-depth discussions about, you know, me and my past and and everything I had gone through. So when he brought up children, Sanhar, I was like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, like so, yeah. it was just you know okay I need to we need to have a deeper discussion so you know it was it was past the you know like when we met like do you have children no and so it was like you know going into the why and and what has happened in your past so now it, you know we ultimately went to see you know and you know a reproductive endocrinologist who he happened to know and that's kind of how we started our journey with creating the embryos you know to get to the place where we are now Heidi and Shakita and one of the things that I loved about your story is that you know you met your husband, you went through this process of, you know, seeing a fertility doctor, but you also wanted to, I guess, go through the process of uh, using a surrogate. 
And going through that, you wanted to have the person be a Black woman, you know, someone that resembled you, your likeness, that stuff. And you went through that process and it didn't work out as you planned it to work out. So can you talk about that a little bit? You have your embryos, you know, you're ready to go. You you found surrogates. Talk about that process and how you got to meeting Heidi, who's the <laughs> surrogate you end up using. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like, like you said, I, I, you know, knowing my limitations. So when we, we created the embryos, I was pretty much saying, you know, to my husband, like, you know what, getting pregnant has never been my issue. It's always been sustaining. Yeah. Like I could not carry the pregnancy to term. So I've been at six months, five months, and Mm. that is a devastating. Yeah. I can only imagine. Exactly. So for any woman who's like, you know, you're nine weeks and you're like, oh, I'm so in love, you know, with this baby. And so like going to six months, five months, you know, it's just traumatizing to go through that level of loss. Yeah. So when we, you know, decided on, you know, the surrogacy, you know, it, it took, it took time because again, I did not just say, oh yeah, let's just use a surrogate because I, I felt like that was just saying I was completely defeated. I lost. I, I am a failure and something that any woman is supposed to be able to do, I can't do. So that was very difficult for me. So now I said, I, I relented and said, okay, you know what? Let, let's go through this process. I talked to friends. I prayed, lots of prayer yeah. and yes. said, okay, I'm, I'm at this point now. And so, you know, I'm saying, okay, at least if I'm going to go through this process, I really want to kind of live vicariously through this person. You know, I'm so I'm thinking she'd be a black woman. Just, you know, I'm black. Mm-hmm. This is a whole new yeah. process for me. Mm-hmm. I don't really mm-hmm. know much about this whole thing, but, you know, I just naturally thought that, you know, I, that she would be a black woman that I would just connect with and we would go through this process. So we went through it the first time, you know, you know, it, it takes a long time to yeah. get through, you know, finding a person. It's like, you know, like online dating, like you're meeting someone and you're going through the process, but then you have steps that get you to the point where they can actually become your surrogate. Okay. So you, yeah. So, you know, you're looking at a mental mm-hmm. uh, workup, you're looking at a physical workup and you're looking at a background check. So legal. Mm-hmm. So you're going through all of that first person. It doesn't work out. Second person doesn't work out. Third person doesn't work out. And they're all three black women. Meaning that they, you guys went through the embryo transfer process, the embryo was transferred and then the pregnancy didn't take. None of it. No, it just didn't work out. And finally, when we were done, we were like, you know what, let's just adopt. Cause that was our initial, um, you know, initially that's what we thought we wanted to do. And what Mm -hmm. I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. he never really did, but I wanted to do. And we went back to that same attorney and she was like, okay, let's just start the adoption. Now think about this. We've gone through like, this is like five years. Like we've, this is years because you meet, it's not like you just go, you know, this woman, this woman, this woman. No, you're yeah. having to meet the person in the workups and the whole nine. Screens and that stuff. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a, and it's exhausting. Like you said, it's a lot. So 
we ultimately, when we were done and said, hey, we'll do adoption and let, let's just move forward with that, mm-hmm. is when our attorney, she gave us a call and it really surprised us because she said, you know, hey, I have this other person. And I'm saying to her, look, you are not talking about surrogacy. Like, that's not, <laughs> that <laughs> word better not up. leave your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know. <laughs> and so she had, be, she, through our journey, she had gone from not just being an attorney where she created these agreements, but she was meeting so many different women that she decided to kind of make the surrogacy piece like an arm of her practice. Yes, service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she had someone that she said, well, this person, she's local, she's great. And so after she's telling me all about her, my husband's very excited, even though I was not she said, you know, and oh, like, you know, I really want you to meet her. So once we decided, we, okay, my husband, like, you know, you need to at least let's meet her. Meet like, her oh, yeah. What's wrong with meeting her? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine. And she's like, you know, oh, by the way, you know, she's, you know, she's white. And of course I was like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I just like, uh-huh. And so it was just a change, you know, yeah. not that I hear anything about race. Yeah, which is a pivot from what you were imagining. Yes, it was completely, it be, yeah. you know, different. And, but once I walked into the room and I met her, I, you know, I saw her there. It was immediate where the connection was, was there. And yeah, it was it was a beautiful thing. And uh, yeah, we, we went through the journey together with, you know, Heidi. 47 and Moby. So you mentioned that at this time, you're over 35 going through this process. Yeah. You have these other surrogates that don't work out. Your lawyer then (laughs) comes up like, hey, let's do this one more time. I got someone for you. It's Heidi, a white woman. (laughs) It wasn't the person that you expected, Um, but you guys meet, you know, you bond, you love her spirit. She loves your spirit. You start going through this process. And how does that look? How how was that shaped? Because I know even from my own process, when I started doing fertility treatments, I was 31. Mm-hmm. By the time I had my daughter, I was 38. And so it was a seven-year journey. But once mm-hmm. I hit the 35 mark, it was kind of like, you know, they're like, well, you know, after 35, yeah. your chances. Yeah. It was like every time I come in, you know, it's like doom and gloom. I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. like I get it. Like I'm over 35 at this point. I yeah. understand that. So how did that look for you? How did, how did that process and journey uh, fulfill itself? I mean, in terms of, you know, how did we feel about like being older going through this process? That and, and just kind of like dealing with, you know, the age factor. I don't know yeah. if you've ever, you yeah. know, had that experience going to the doctor where the first thing they say is, well, you're over 35. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if you had that experience. I, I know there are a number course. of people like myself who did have that experience. So just going through it, were you like nervous, you know, even having had these other failed, you know, surrogates who went through the process, were you nervous once you went through the process with Heidi, you know, how, how did that work out? Okay. So the, 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 the thing that like with, with Heidi, because we had created our embryos and I will say that Heidi, she was actually over 35, like as a surrogate. Mm. So that was like, whoa, but we had created our embryos. And so, because, you know, we had, we had always, of course, heard that 
oh my God, you know, like, you know, you may as well, you know, get a puppy at this point because it's not, you know, it's the likelihood. But I would say that we did have some very positive people at the reproductive, like the clinic that we chose. They were very positive. And because we already had our embryos and because, you know, they were had already been rated and mm-hmm. as in terms of what, you know, the quality Genetic testing, of stuff them, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we were using those. That was, you know, it you know, finding Heidi was pretty much our obstacle, you know, mm-hmm. like finding someone. However, but you are right when you say when we first went into the doctor's office, you know, like here we are, we're like, you know, 150 years old. <laughs> going, why, why are you here? Like, okay, what, you know, you know, the geriatric ward is down the hall. So that was like, you know, so yeah, that is, you get that. And yeah. it's just, it's disheartening, but there are so many beautiful and amazing stories of women who are, you know, having children after yeah. 35. So, you know, so and yeah, did but you we run did into go through what, that early on. With your embryos, did you run into any issues when you started the fertility process? How, how did that process work out? Well, that was when we were, like I said, going into them initially and, and to create the embryos, that was like a, a challenge, you know, like, because I would go through like, okay, we got 30 eggs yep. and six of them were okay. Right. You know, yeah. Oh, we got, you know, we got 28 eggs, you know, like, you know, you, cause you're going through IVF and so they have to do the eggs. You get like all these eggs and it's like two are worthy, worthy of, you know, becoming embryos. So that part was very much a challenge early on creating the embryos. But yeah. once we went through the pain of that and, how, you know, they made it seem as if it was like, oh, you know, like, come on, you may get one good embryo. Yeah. That was really the part that was just very disheartening mm-hmm. up front. Mm-hmm. But once we got to the part with Heidi, we mm-hmm. knew we had some quality, you know, embryos. embryos that we could say, okay, at least they're they're decent, you know, so because yeah. I went through IVF a number of times. Wow. And okay. couldn't, you know, like just to create mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. embryos. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. But yeah. you were so when you when Heidi had, you know, delivered your baby, you were forty seven at that yes, point, I believe. I was. Your book says you were forty seven and then yeah. you you created this acronym Moby. Yeah. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I was like, Oh, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Moby is mommy older, baby younger. And it's a group that it's like, it's dedicated to women who are 35 and older who become moms. Like, you know, it could be through surrogacy, through, you know, adoption, uh, you know, the good old fashioned way they can become their stepmoms. But, but you become, you know, that role becomes your role, 35 and older. And so that is what Moby stands for. And so here in Atlanta, you know, we get together and there are unique challenges that you have as, you know, a Moby. You know, things like you don't want to look like this, you know, like your kid's grandmother. Like you <laughs> yeah. want to look like 
you know, so it's like, you know, what's the latest beauty cream? Yeah, what's the, use. Yeah, you know, and what, you know, what can we do like to keep our energy up and to, yeah. you know, because my son, he's all over the place. And, but you know, the, the, the good thing, and I, and I thank God for this is because I have always, and I mean, always worked out and, so I, I've, I've been able to, you know, sustain my energy levels, even though I will tell you working out for so long, you do get like those aches and pains where you're pains, like, Oh yeah. my goodness. It, it's almost like, as you get older, all of that working out that yeah. you did earlier, it's like, Oh, it's going back to haunt you. So, <laughs> but you know, I have worked out. So, it, you know, that has helped me, Help, you know, it, yeah. it has helped me to keep up with my son and, you know, my husband, we are, you know, we're pretty good with him, but you know, like the Moby group, we get together and we talk about just challenges and we talk about the things like, you know, that people, other people may not think about, like when you see your friends and, you know, you're in that same age group and their kids are graduating from college yeah. and, you're in, you know, and, and, or they're, they become grandmothers, some of yeah. them, and you're going, wow, I feel so left behind. But what I would say to anyone who is thinking that way, you know what, where you are in your life is where you are in your life. Mm -hmm. And you can't really compare yourself to anyone else. else yeah. You know, what, what God has for you, that's for you. That That's your journey and where you are. And so, you know, I would, I would, I have to say that to myself. So I know based on the relationships that I have with these other women and not just in, in Atlanta, but they're everywhere. There are people from mm. Australia. There are people wow. from, you know, Africa that are all a part of the group. And we have conversations and we all have those same concerns. And so, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, we like, as we've said to each other, you know what, like I said, where you are is where you are. And people are going to feel not just with fertility, it could be anything where you don't feel like, you know, like your, your other friends may be high powered professionals, but you are only doing this or, yeah. you know, you are overweight and all of your other friends are this. Everyone has that thing, you know, that journey. It's not just infertility, but you can take that in any area of your life. They've all bought a home. You've never owned a home. It just, so when you start to just feel like this is my journey and where I am is where I am and how, where God has me or even mistakes that I've made in my life, I know that I can overcome if this is the desire of my heart. Once you get to that mindset, you really don't care what yeah. anybody else is saying about you and where you are. So that's my so mantra. True. So true. Colorless womb. So let's talk about your book. Your book is so encouraging, so inspiring. So just tell us a little bit about when you decided to start writing your book and really just the feelings of how you got connected to Heidi, how God just opened up that door for you and how you're breaking down that barrier, you know, that color barrier and yeah. having women to pivot, you know, just because you thought it was going to be this way doesn't mean you can't go that way. Exactly. Okay. So my journey, like with 
with, with Heidi, it had, you know, there were challenges because, and not challenges for me and not challenges from Heidi. There were just outside challenges in terms of people asking why Heidi, you know, what was the thing with Heidi? Like, why'd you have to do go that route? Yeah. And those are the people who did not know my journey. They were looking at what was on the outside, like what they could see. And they didn't know everything that I had tried previously and what was going on with me. So a lot of times people will look at just the outside and just form an opinion. And so that was a challenge that I had um, from the doctor's office with people, you know, black women who didn't understand the Kimberly and Heidi dynamic through to friends who, well, associates, I'll say, who didn't understand that dynamic and just assumed that Heidi was just my pick, like it just had to be Heidi. So the, the, that was, those were, were challenges that I had with, with Heidi in terms of Heidi. As far as, I guess, what I would say to other people thinking outside the box I, I believe that the the story of, of Heidi and me with the colorless womb, you know, timing is everything. Yes. And right now there's so much negativity racially. There's so much division animus and there is there's just a lot that's out there in terms of the racial tension and the climate in this country. And so I just believe that the story with 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 Heidi and me, it's like a now story. It's something where you can actually say, okay, you you may run into people who are negative or who are racist or who are, you know, they, they don't mean you any good. Yes, those people exist in this world. We cannot Get say that they them. don't exist, but at least when you see the colorless womb, you read this book, it may be out there, but it's not everywhere. It's not with everybody. That's just not everybody's feeling. Because if you think about the fact that this woman who was white, she brought this black child into the world. That is, it's just the epitome of just, you know, the heart of, you know, she does not have the heart of, you know, where you would look at anyone who is anti yeah. other cultures mm -hmm. to, to actually bring a child into the world that didn't look like her. Yeah. So that, that should be something where people look at that and say, you know what, this is a feel good story. I like mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Advice and tips. Yeah, and I love that. Um, I love the the beauty and that story and just going beyond, you know, the idea of color. And yes. that someone, you know, just wanted to assist. Someone wanted to see you yeah. become a mom and they, you know, were sold out to that journey. Yes. So yes. can you tell people where they can buy your book and then also yes. share some tips for people 
who may be, you know, over 35, trying to go through this journey and maybe also looking at, you know, surrogacy as an option. Okay. Well, first I'll start with tips. Okay. And, you know, I would say find an amazing reproductive endocrinologist. They are not all created equal because initially we gone to someone and it was just like, you know, please. And then we went to someone else and they were just like, look, we can help you that science has advanced. And so I would say find an amazing reproductive endocrinologist. And I would also say that you have to pray and you have to believe I know it just sounds so cliche, but you know what? As a man thinks, so is he. So you have to, if if no matter what anybody else is saying, you have to drown out the noise. You have to drown it out. And if you don't, you're just going to fall into that, oh, that woe is me. I would say just keep a positive attitude. Know what it is that you want. Speak it forth and say what it is that you want. I want to become a mom. I want to become a mom. And and the thing is too, it could be that it's, if delivering a child, like, you know, biologically, like having a child, you know, if, if, if becoming a mom is really your goal, it could be that it comes in a different way. And that child coming to you in a different way is still, you're, you're still just as much a mom as you know, anyone who, you know, just deliver their child because it really is the role that you play in the child's life. So whatever your journey is and however you become a mom, you are still a mom. And so if that's really the desire of your heart, just be open to whatever it is that God has for you for yeah. your journey. Is yeah. that, that's what I would say that that's what would keep you, it, it keeps you hopeful and, you know, just desirous of what it is that you want. Yeah. And then where can they purchase your book? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple iBook, really wherever, you know, like your local bookstore, like wherever books are sold, you can go, you know, to to purchase the book and you can go to my website, the com. You can purchase books. And you, I also would like for you to follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, um, the colorless womb underscore. Yes, because we want to underscore the colorless womb. So the colorless womb underscore is where you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Sinhar Eastman, and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. You can stay connected with this movement on my website, Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please join my mailing list at blackgirlsguidetofertility.com and on sinhareastman.com. And please be sure to check out the first two episodes of my web series that's currently on YouTube and check out my latest project, My Infertility Play, which is currently on my website. It's called Taboo, a fruitless love.